Hey, what's up? It's episode 111, Pain Points of Wealth, and we're in the midst of earnings season. 70% of companies have beat expectations, and that seems to be the theme this year. Whatever your economists and strategists told you what was going to happen is not happening. Things are better than expected, just like we told you on this podcast. Well, we're going to tell you why everything's going better in the economy than everyone anticipated, why earnings are better than anticipated, and what you need to be doing right now with your money. And also, if you're thinking about having a financial advisor, you don't have a financial advisor, it doesn't even make any sense. Well, we're going to give you our two cents on that. Check it out. We got a great show. Hey, guys, you know, every week I hear these analysts and strategists keep tell us, then the big debate is, is it going to be a hard landing for the recession or a soft landing recession? How about all the economic data and indicators that have come out so far as a no-landing recession? Matter of fact, no recession. Yeah, which is pretty remarkable when you had literally every single professional on Wall Street saying it was a foregone conclusion. We're definitely going to have an economic slowdown this year. We're going to have negative growth in the economy. And now the exact opposite is probably going to happen. Like, how can so many professionals get it so wrong? Well, you know, it's funny. It's not just the professionals. It's also our clients that think that we're also going in a recession. As a matter of fact, uh, the last two days, I did eight meetings with our clients down in Florida, and every single one of them was shocked to find that their portfolio is actually up for the year. I know. It's really amazing, Chris, because the media just does that. They have this drumbeat of negativity. They're pessimists. They're perma-bears. Uh, it's almost as if they don't want things to go up because they won't have any viewership. But when you have 517,000 new jobs created, when you have a 3.4% unemployment rate, when you have purchasing power going up, auto sales just went up. And you know what? I think the housing market's already bottomed. Well, what's crazy about that is like, okay, so the markets have been going up since last fall, yet the economic data is just getting better now. And this has kind of always been our point, is markets already look out into the future ahead of time. So when you wait for the news to get better, you already miss so much return. Like I saw on CNBC the other day that CEOs all of a sudden are more confident we're not going to recession, whereas a couple months ago, they all thought we were going to recession. The time to buy was when they all thought we were going into recession, not now. Well, you know, they say, guys, right? History never repeats, but it often rhymes. You know, Mark Twain's famous comment or quote. And, you know, we had a COVID lockdown in our country. We came out into a recovery. The stock market boomed. The economy boomed. And now the same things happen in China. But the strategists are like, oh, no, no, that's different. No, that's not, you know, not going to have a big impact. You know, they, Just because they have $2 trillion to $5 trillion in purchasing power, they're not going to want to spend it because they've been locked down for three years. I mean, give me a break. Right, and, no one's, and that's not even the focal point. The focal point is what's the Fed going to do. And at this point, who cares? The bond market's already telling you the Fed eventually here is going to have to start to whether stop raising interest rates or actually start to reduce interest rates. The bond market's already been telling you that. Interest rates have been going down now for months. Again, the market's way ahead of what's actually going to happen. You don't have to sit and wait around and hear what the Fed's going to say. The market already told you. And just to put that in perspective, the 10-year Treasury since its height in October is down almost 17%. I don't know about you guys. That's pretty darn substantial. Yeah, well, I think that's the bond market spe speaking loud and clear, Chris. And But, you know, a lot of folks, they want to depend on what Chairman Powell says. And, you know, he's been very hawkish until last week, right? A week ago Wednesday, he was very dovish. He said disinflation 11 times, right? He's already signaling to the market, hey, I may be done raising rates. Plus, they're data dependent. They don't know what they're going to do till a week before the meeting. So why do these analysts and strategists think they can tell? 
what's going on. Well, you know, I think Chairman Powell needs to start coming out and his speech is saying, well, you know what? I talked to the Payne family and here's what they think because I think that'll make the market just skyrocket. <laughs> well, it's also too, you don't know what kind of reaction you're going to get in the short term. We talked about this before, but you know, who would have guessed this year that big tech, uh, we talk about disruptive technology would be the leaders. And now I don't know if that's a long-term trend and we probably think it's not, but you, know, you had a lot of investors that were betting against uh, whether it was Apple, whether it was Tesla, whether it was Google, um, and they really got hurt coming into the year because all of a sudden those stocks have ramped. It doesn't matter if their news is even good. Like if you look at the big five technology companies, their revenue growth was only 1% last quarter, yet all the stocks have had huge rebounds here. So you just never know what's going to happen in the short term. And this is why like you got to be covered in your portfolio with everything. Well, you know, guys, this whole decline last year was really about ringing out the excess speculation. And there was a great article in the journal last week about these young uh, millennials, you know, very new at investing, who've suddenly became masters of the universe. And this one uh, millennial ran his portfolio up to a million five. Of course, he matched his lifestyle up to this newfound wealth. And of course, you know what happened? He lost it all. He totally got totally wiped out. He's now working in a deli in uh, Las Vegas, and he thinks the three-month T-bill is a great way to invest now. So it's, <laughs> you know, really, that with bringing out the speculation, those types of stocks aren't going to come back. They're not going to make a fortune in cryptocurrency going forward. But there's so much opportunity in every other financial asset, and there always are. There's always opportunities. You just have to know where to look for them. Yeah, and I think half the battle is just being in, right? I mean, the, the worst thing you could have done here, or probably the riskiest investment strategy is being underinvested, right? Because we were waiting for that all clear sign. Um, and as you can see, it never really happens. Markets turn first. I mean, literally, we've been in a new bull market probably as of last, the end of last September, right? I mean, so that's almost like six months of a new bull market, yet we're still seeing most investors are still waiting to figure out what's going to happen. And like, that's a horrible investment strategy. You know, that's the whole problem, I think, with, you know, trying to define these short-term movements, you know, isn't a 20% down a bear market and then 20% up as a bull market? Well, we had a major bull market then from October to January, but here's the, here's the facts. Right now, we're off to a spectacular year, right? We had a down year last year for all intents and purposes, most asset classes. Some were bear market territory, some were just corrections. But we had an up, you know, December, right? At the end of December, we had a Santa Claus rally. We had the first five days of January were up. We had the month of January up. That's called the January barometer, according to the stock market's almanac. And whenever you have the market up for January after a negative year and all those other criteria are met, the market goes up that year 100% of the time, 100% of the time. So if you're sitting there waiting for somebody to ring the bell, you're going to be waiting a long time, I think, guys. Things gonna, it's not going to let you in. Well, you know what, guys? I've done a lot of uh, annual reviews over the past six months with uh, with our clients. And, you know, of course, with the volatility in the portfolios, everybody's feeling a little rocky. But one of the things I've, I've realized is that you really have to have, you know, almost like religious-like faith in the viability of the stock and bond market. Because, you know, what, what ends up happening is in these tough times, as we've seen, you know, people always make the wrong decisions at the exact wrong times. Well, it's true because think about all the misinformation out there, right? I mean, we've been pretty... I guess, like staunch in our view that like, hey, we don't think we're going to recession. We think that inflation will come down. It is actually transitory, ironically. Um, and we don't think the employment market can cool off here. We're a small boutique firm here, yet these strategists at these huge firms, they have more economic data than you know, we'll ever even look at, always get it wrong. 
Like you can't predicate your strategy based on the quote unquote experts. That's the scary part because you're looking at it right now in real time. Man, they haven't been a little wrong. They've been way off in projecting what was going to happen this year. It's, it's crazy. Well, you know, guys, I think this is what it really comes down to is people got to live by my Bobisms, right? The number one Bobism is the world doesn't end very often. And the other Bobism is time passes and markets operate. Now, while most of these people have been wringing their hands, right, sweating out all this negative news, the market's been operating. And value, the S&P 500 value portion is at a new high, right? We just saw new highs in Europe. And the market just keeps going up. And I really do feel sorry for the perma bears and the pessimists because when you're on the wrong side of a bull market, it is the worst place in the world you can be. It just tortures you every day. And you just hope and pray that, you know, some piece of bad news is going to come in and bail you out. But it doesn't. And it won't bail you out until you're back in. Well, here's another great Bobism. You don't have to be right. You just have to be in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it helps to be right when you're in too, Chris. And let me throw another one on the fire here. It's better to be approximately right as opposed to dead wrong. And I think that's what's the problem with a lot of these projections of definitely get out of the market and wait for that 10% correction before you get back in. Meanwhile, if you just stay diversified, you're almost close to your all-time high on your portfolio from last January by just being in. It's better to be in than trying to be master of the universe. Well, see, that's why I just have a a little problem with you defining this as a new bull market, Rye. We've been in a bull market. We've been in a bull market since your parents were born, since your grandparents were born, since your great-grandparents were born. Matter of fact, this bull market started in 1776, and we're just about to make new highs in the next couple of months. So, you know, if you're not long right now, I think you're definitely wrong. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 112, Pain Points of Wealth. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally at any stage of your journey. But if you've saved over a million dollars and you want a more hands-on approach, Bob, Chris, and I will run for your total financial master plan. This is a plan that we've been working on for years, and we'll do it at no obligation or cost to give you a full holistic review of everything you're doing. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front for free. We literally go as far as building you, your own personalized financial portal. We're going to get a bird's eye view of your entire financial life, and we're going to hone in on every issue you need to address today. We're going to look at an income plan. If you're close to retirement or retired now, how do you draw from your portfolio? How do you take Social Security? How do you draw from your portfolio so you don't run out of money with inflation literally at a 40-year high? We put together a dynamic income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you products that have high fees and are very tax inefficient, whether it's an annuity, mutual fund, brokerage product, structured product. We go through every investment, do a deep dive, show you how to reduce all the costs on your portfolio and optimize it for taxes, give you our full tax playbook, and we look at diversification. Are you well diversified? Did you get hit hard last year as markets were extremely volatile? Or do you have a lot of money in cash earning nothing? trying to figure out what to do, paralysis by analysis, because there's so much uncertainty out there. We'll put together a full investment game plan, show you how to diversify your money properly, show you how to grow it, but most importantly, protect it. Over the rest of your life, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan if you saved over a million dollars for your financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. Hey, it's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And we have a very special guest with us, financial advisor, 
Certified Financial Planner at Payne Capital Management, Mr. Aaron Dessen. Aaron, thanks for being on the podcast today, man. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Always great to be here. It's great to have you. And man, you seem pretty calm for a man who's about to have another baby in the next week. You sound like you're uh, not worried about it at all, not stressing even a little bit. You know, a wise man on this podcast once told me to embrace what you can't control. You know, just go with the flow. (laughs) (laughs) Or as they say in Seinfeld, serenity now and sanity later. (laughs) that's right you talk to aaron in a week it's gonna be a different story i feel like i'll be be asleep i'll be a zombie (laughs) you hope well thanks for being on the podcast man yeah you can sleep goodbye pal well before you lose all that sleep um i thought we could talk today on our podcast so pain pain capital management obviously we're a boutique firm and a lot of the new clients that we bring in tend to be this is their first time working with a financial planner. Like a lot of times they've done it themselves. So then we could discuss, you know, some of the reasons why you may be building your financial plan on your own and some of the catalyst that might be like that light bulb that says, well, maybe it's time to start working with a financial professional. And I think a lot of times when we start out and we're building our wealth, we think to ourselves like, ah, this isn't that hard. I can do this on my own. Who needs one of those BS salesman financial people? Well, I'll take the first one, guys. It's not that hard. I can do it on my own. Well, you know, I liken to this to a lot like you're going up the chairlift and you're going up over like a black diamond and everything looks easy. All the skiers down there make it look easy. But until you get to the top of the slope and you realize it's basically a vertical drop straight down, that's why it's hard to do it alone. Well, of course, you know, like anything else, you don't know what you don't know, right? So I think that, uh, you know, last year, uh, a lot of amateur investors, a lot of do-it-yourselfers, I guess, right? DIYs, they call them. Um, you know, they were down 27% on average in their portfolio. Now, it does two things. Number one, it loses capital, but then it puts you in a position where you're scared to death to make the next move. You'll, you'll never have the confidence again, you know, to invest with any type of courage. Well, I think it is a lot like that skiing analogy, but it's more like you're cruising down the mountain, you think you're awesome, and then all of a sudden there's a mogul field. Because <laughs> I think that's what happened. I think people after the, you know, after the great pandemic, is they're like, man, this is easy. I just get in, I write up all these hot stocks and I can make a ton of money. But it wasn't really until we saw the drop last year where it's like, wow, you know, this gets pretty real pretty quickly when you saw some of these meme stocks and some of these disruptive technology stocks drop like 70, 80%. Well, you know what? I read an article on uh, on MarketWatch. It was talking about this guy who borrowed a half a million dollars from friends and family and not only borrowed the money, but wrote them all a promissory note guaranteeing that they would get he would get 10% return last year. He almost lost it all. Oh my gosh! I did lose it all. Now he's now he's on the hook, right? I mean, it's uh, you know, nothing like getting sued by your family, Chris. <laughs> I mean, think about it, guys. Over the last couple of years, how many cocktail parties or networking events have you been at where somebody's pitching you Bitcoin and you know puts their life savings in Bitcoin? What can go wrong? I mean, where are they at right now? It's really it's tragic what's happening. But it's making a big comeback, Aaron. So you just wait. Yeah, I'll tell you what. There was a reckoning that happened last year. Yeah, definitely a reckoning, but. You know, when it comes to investing, it's really simple, but it's hard. It's really hard. Um, and, you know, unless you have a strategy and have a discipline to stay invested, you know, something's going to happen that's going to cause you to make a mistake. And sometimes those mistakes can't be, you can't recover, right? Like that uh, young guy who lost a million, 1.5 million, you know, trading his own account last year. Um, you know, maybe he'll recover from that because he's in his 30s, but I doubt it. So it's, uh, it's really important to take the advice of someone who knows what they're doing 
who already knows the risk that you may not recognize because risks are only recognized in hindsight. Well, that's the thing. You just get one pothole and it can really derail your entire net worth. You don't know what you don't know. Um, I think another interesting perspective is, Aaron, you probably see this a lot too, is a lot of times we think, well, it's way more expensive to work with a financial professional. But, you know, we like to do a big audit of people's fees, what they're paying. And a lot of times, even if you're doing it on your own, you look at those hidden costs, a lot of times it's costing you more to work on your own because you don't even know where all those hidden fees are in your portfolio. Yeah, right. That's a that's a great point. I mean, a lot of times we see people in different mutual funds, exchange traded exchange traded funds. Um, they really have no idea what the underlying costs are, what kind of income they're generating. And I mean, talking about cost, um, you know, is it going to be more expensive working with an advisor and preserving your wealth and growing it over time, or is it going to be more expensive to you know lose everything in a market downturn? Um, so there's there's definitely a lot of hidden risks there. Yeah, and that's a good point about the mutual funds and the ETFs and, you know, looking at costs and tax savings, but also looking at things like bond funds. You know, if you were in a bond fund these last two years with interest rates going up, you probably took a really big hit versus owning those bonds individually. Yeah, I, I uh, had dinner not too long ago with a good buddy of mine. He's a big client. And he said, uh, yeah, yeah, you've done great for me, Bob. But, you know, I mean, come on, let's face it. Last 15 years weren't all that hard. I said, yeah, it would have been really hard for you because when I opened your account 15 years ago, you were 100% in cash with a couple of mutual funds. I said, it would have been really hard for you to get the returns in that position. So I said, it's so easy. Why weren't you invested? He goes, well, I never thought about that. <laughs> well, that's the biggest misconception about the last 10 years. Markets went straight up, but it was the most underinvested bull market of all time, which means most people were not invested. They were sitting in cash. They were so scorned from the great financial crisis that it literally took us the decade to persuade uh, investors to get back in. Our clients are like, look, you have to be in. It's is a time to be in. And people just like didn't trust the stock market. They only trusted it at the top after the pandemic when the market got way too expensive. And that's the way it always works. And that's why a lot of times having a professional, and Aaron, you probably feel this way. It's kind of like sometimes you're just trying to correct people's bad decision-making as humans. I mean, last year was a perfect example of that. I feel like every time we have a downturn in the market, you get those inevitable phone calls to people that want to go to cash and sell out. And it's really about, you know, we might as well just get a couch in the office and, and have a therapist next to financial advisor because <laughs> uh, that's, you know. Yeah, that sounds great, Aaron. Can I make an appointment? I've got some issues I want to work through. <laughs> <laughs> Please, my door's open. Yeah, another, <laughs> another comment you hear a lot is, well, I'm still a few years away from retirement, so I don't really need advice at this point. Whereas we know the sooner you start planning, man, oh, man, the better your life is financially when you move forward. The wind is at your back when you make those decisions earlier and not just wait until you're, quote unquote, retired. Well, that's a good point, too, Ry. But also the fact that when you retire, you know, chances are you're probably going to live for another 25, 30, even 40 years. You know, that's a lot of longevity for that money and still needs to be appropriately managed so you don't run out. Hey, Chris, you just nailed, you just hit the nail on the head. It's all about planning because if you do a wealth projection without factoring in inflation, you're going to think, oh man, I'm fat, dumb, and happy. I'm in a great position. You're going to run out of money. It's amazing when you see the impact of that insidious hidden tax inflation, especially at the rates inflation's at running at now. You've got to make sure that you've got a plan in place to grow your portfolio net of inflation. It's the biggest risk every single investor has, whether it's recognized or not. Well, Dad, I'm really glad you brought up inflation because, you know, I've noticed my rent's going up, the cost of food's going up, the cost of gas is going up. You know, I came up with a great plan. I think I'm going to end my lease and move in with you and mom, you know, spend the summer, spend the winter in Naples and spend the summer in Ocean City. That, that sounds great to me. Wait a minute. You didn't know I moved? 
<laughs> you know, I, the other the other issue I hear a lot too is, well, the financial world is too confusing and complex for me. I'll just keep my head down and put money into my 401k and I'm sure I'll be fine. And as we know, there's just so many tricks to the trade or like little tweaks you can make when it comes to taxes above and beyond your 401k. And Aaron, I'm sure you're going to attest to this because you're you're doing planning, modeling out for clients like every single day that you're just missing the boat if you have a really linear you know, idea of what your financial plan should look like. There's just so much more that goes into it aside from just your 401k or retirement plan at work. I mean, Secure Act 2.0 is a perfect example. They just made all these sweeping changes in the legislation and tax laws at the end of last year. And a lot of clients aren't even aware of that. Um, so you really need a professional that you can speak to that's, that's going to keep you in the know and update you on yeah. all those changes. Well, think about the people that do it themselves, right? They get their advice from their friend in the lunchroom, you know, at work, where they go on the internet now. Think about all the phenomenal, you know, information you can get on the internet about investing. Um, you know, it's just scary, you know, to think about it. But, you know, one of my wealthiest friends said, look, if you want to compete against me and my businesses, I'll eat your lunch six ways to Sundays. Why would I ever want to compete against professionals in your business? And they said, besides, I worked every working, waking hour focusing on my business. When am I going to spend five seconds a day on becoming an expert in investing? Why would anybody want to do that? It's just like kind of insane when you think about it. The only problem with that thinking is, is most financial advisors are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so in all fairness, you know, there's, there's not that many real professionals that actually do that kind of planning. And I think that's where it's really, as our listeners should be very careful, is you have to make sure you're working with a true fiduciary. Um, like in our, in our firm, like Aaron, you're a certified financial planner. Like you make sure that the people you're working with are truly doing financial planning and not just selling you investments. And to be fair, most of our industry is just people that want to sell you something. I can sell you an insurance and all of a sudden I'm a financial planner. Well, you know, having a whole life policy that probably you don't need is not financial planning. So you've got to be careful. If you are going to use a financial professional, make sure they're actually talking about those issues that really pertain to your life. Well, you know, Ryan, you're absolutely right. And, you know, what it really comes down to is, is holistic planning. You know, Aaron, you and I have done a ton of 401k meetings together. And not only do we go on and do an educational session, but we also offer all the participants the opportunity to sit down with us and we look at everything. You know, we're not just saying, okay, put 100% in pre-tax 401k. It's like, you know, what else are you investing in? Where are your other assets? How are they taxed? I mean, you have to look at everything. Otherwise, it's, it's malpractice. Well, you know what it comes down to, guys? 80% of the new clients that come to us, they always have statements. But when we ask them for a, 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 you know, a copy of their wealth projection or any type of a rudimentary financial plan, all we ever hear is crickets. All right, it's a hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates to their highest level since early 2008. Yet the big five banks, that's Bank of America, Citigroup, JP Morgan, U.S. Bank Corp., and Wells Fargo, only paid an average of 0.4% interest on consumer deposits and saving and money market accounts during last quarter. I think people might just be getting screwed <laughs> on the amount of interest they're receiving on their bank accounts. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right, Rye. When you look at the uh, Treasury-backed money market fund, that's 100% in, in government-backed guaranteed treasuries is yielding over 4% and they're paying four-tenths of 1%, that's a heck of a fee, you know, to custody your money. So if you're not willing to move that money over 
you know, to a treasury money market fund or a short-term treasury, then what I would recommend you, since you're helping the bank make so much money, you should buy those bank stocks. Yeah, well, the dividend's a lot higher than that 0.4%. All right, Chris, activist investors in general don't appear to add much value to the companies they target. We just saw a big uh, activist move against Disney that actually didn't end up happening. They tend to earn uninspiring returns for their own investors after paying hefty fees. The Bloomberg Activist Hedge Fund Index only returned 132% over the nine years through the end of 2022 versus the S&P 500 Index, let me say it again, versus the S&P 500 ETF returning 145%. Sounds like if you have a good story, you can raise money. And if you can raise money, you can charge a lot of fees. Well, you know what? It sounds like they advocate for uh, higher fees for themselves and lower returns. And uh, I don't think that's anybody in, in our client base, and certainly we're not interested in. Well, when these activists come in, you know, it's not because they want to help the company. It's like buyer beware. They're out there to uh, make themselves enriched. So, uh, you know, I've never been a, been a big fan of activist investors or corporate raiders, as they used to be called and back in the 80s, Dad. All right, Aaron, the average individual investor portfolio has declined 27% since peaking in December of 2021. Too many meme stocks, it sounds like to me, according to estimates from Vanda Research. Compared with the S&P 500's roughly 13% decline over the same time period, monthly active users at online brokerage app Robinhood, which helped make trading cool among newbies, recently fell to their lowest level since the company went public. Sounds like a lot of these uh, young, unexperienced investors just had their head handed to them. This is, I mean, history doesn't repeat, but it really does rhyme. You know, this is so similar to what we saw with the dot-com bubble, you know, doctors and people quitting their jobs to become day traders. Um, it, it's just amazing how, how the human behavior repeats itself over and over again. Well, it goes back to Chris's skiing analogy, right? I mean, I just like, I keep thinking about that mogul field and then it's like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> This is a lot more treacherous than I thought. And as Bob likes to say, investment is an old Bobism, but you know, investing, I think the media makes it seem like it's a game. Um, but the reality of it is, man, investing is hard. It's treacherous. And there's so many ways to mess it up and lose your money. Well, you know, right. That's why they created casinos. <laughs> One would argue that the, uh, the stock market is like a big casino without without the drinks. But I don't know. That's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Aaron, man, good luck this week. We're all uh, crossing our fingers. Hope you have a healthy baby by the end of the week. And uh, hopefully you get like maybe a little bit of sleep. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I was going to see if you got any room at your place. Maybe we could uh, shack up there for a couple nights too. What do you think? Uh, your daughter is welcome here anytime, man. She is so much fun. <laughs> Hopefully we can repeat with number two. We'll see. Okay, another great episode. Hope you enjoyed episode 112, Pain Points of Wealth. If you love our podcast, like our podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us some comments there. You can always ask us questions. Go to bebullish.com slash questions. If this is on Spotify, you can subscribe. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can like the video. You can subscribe to our channel. Click that notification bell to be updated every week of all our new content. Your support gives us the ability to continue to do this podcast. That's it for this week. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. 
You can find out more about Bob, Ryan, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.